Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. We are going to kick off with a quick life update, and then we're going to hop right into another coaching session. I've been having so much fun with this new format, and we won't always do this every week, but I like this one, and I thought it was a good time for it to come out. On my end, I just got back from vacation. I was gone for almost two weeks, and this is the first time in probably, I don't know, five years that I've taken a vacation that's been more than four or five days, and it was so amazing. (laughs) Felt like this real cornerstone of a division between two parts of my life, like my former life, my old life, and then a brand new chapter that's been coming in. So it was really beautiful to have this liminal space where I was just kind of in between these two stages. And as everyone here knows, my book came out a month ago, and I'm having a baby, so I'm five months pregnant now, and I'm moving apartments in a month. I'm moving out of this apartment I've been in for almost five years into a brand new neighborhood in Brooklyn, so it just feels like there are a lot of changes on the horizon and a lot of things that I've set out as goals for the past two, three years have come to fruition, and I'm just happy (laughs) and before jumping into the next round of, okay, what are my goals? What's next? What's up on the horizon for me? It's been nice just to enjoy, to rest, to think back on what's happened and make sense of everything. So that's what I took that time for. I did the Camino de Santiago through Spain. So we walked for about six hours every day, starting at like 5.30 in the morning. And then the second half of the vacation was really nice. It was enjoying the beaches of Mallorca, Menorca. And now I'm back with more podcasts and more exciting topics to talk to you about. But for now, we have this incredible interview with Katie Dalebout. Katie is an explorer of all things related to the inner world, the inner landscape. She has two podcasts. One is called Let It Out that I was on a couple weeks ago. I think maybe the episode should be airing soon. She also writes a Substack. She has a book about journaling, and she also runs these amazing courses for creative underdogs. She has one called In Process. The new semester is getting started soon, so I will link to all of Katie's stuff. But essentially, what she and I do in this episode is we explore a topic around regret and decision-making. We have all had this experience where there's a big decision to make. Maybe it's whether or not you should take a job or move cities. In Katie's case, it's about buying a car. And even though this is very different from the normal business coaching I do, the same models and methodologies still apply. And so we worked through whether or not Katie made the right decision. And I truly believe that listening in on someone's coaching experience can be such an amazing mirror for the way that we operate in our own unique ways too. So obviously you're probably not thinking about buying a car right now, but this topic of regret 
of big decisions, of trusting yourself, of understanding whether or not you made the right choice. These are things that we all grapple and wrestle with on a regular basis. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Oh, and one more thing. Thank you everyone for so much love about the book, posting on Instagram, sharing it with your friends, having book clubs. You are all amazing. And if I can ask one beautiful favor of you is if you have enjoyed the book, which I think a lot of you have, then if you could leave an Amazon review, that would just make my whole world so joyous and so happy because the reviews really matter. And only a small portion of people who enjoy the book ever review it. So I'm hoping to get that percentage up. So that's it. That's all I have to say. We'll get started now for real. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Dream come true. Yeah. So I know you, but for everyone who doesn't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. It's so funny because when you did my podcast a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the what do you do question. And I was telling you about how a friend of mine always says, what did you do today? And it kind of gives you a picture of how someone lives their life, which I think is cool. Like right before this, I recorded a, a podcast of Spiraling, which is a anxiety mental health podcast I co-host and produce with my friend Serena Wolf. And then my podcast, which you do let it out, is something I've done since 2013. And I I have these long form conversations and now I'm doing this podcast with you. And so I feel like I spend my days either walking around my neighborhood, talking on the phone. I edit my podcast while walking. I'll write down the timestamps. And I did that with you yesterday. Like you went on an entire hike with me <laughs> and I edited, I wrote down timestamps of our, our episode together. And, and so I think I spend my days just walking around my neighborhood walking talking like either recording podcasts or talking on the phone or or walking with friends but i yeah i live in la now i'm i grew up in michigan and then i always wanted to move to new york but i couldn't really believe that i could ever live there but i just wanted to so bad and i i moved to detroit after college and i was teaching yoga and i had a a blog at the time about wellness and then I studied broadcast journalism because I thought I wanted to be a TV news reporter, but all of our first classes were radio. And so I got really into the craft of interviewing and having conversations with people. And I listened to a lot of Fresh Air with Terry Gross and and Mark Marin and Howard Stern and, and some of these radio shows that I I really liked that format. And so then I, I started one of my own, which is one I still do. And I always worked a full-time job on the side of that. And I eventually was able to move to New York. I was older. I was, I think I was 26. And then I I was there for the last several years. And then at the end of 2019, I was traveling. Like I, I spent time, you know, moved out of my apartment and I my plan was to miss a winter and just travel for the whole year. I left on January 1st of 2020, but then of course there was a, a little glitch in the plan to travel for a year <laughs> that year. So I, I was in Australia at the at the time in mid-March and my friend there was like, you know, I feel like this is gonna be something. I feel like you should get back to the States. And I was like, really? You think so? Like I was really <laughs> unsure. I was one of those people. It took me a minute, but then I was like, all right. 
But, you know, I didn't have an apartment. Like all my stuff was in storage in New York. And so I came to Los Angeles where I had one friend and moved into a house with strangers and they ended up becoming friends. And I actually just wrote about this in my Substack well, yesterday, oddly enough. And then just kind of had the wildness of how that first summer worked out. And then I, you know, moved into a studio apartment and I've been here ever since. And I'm so grateful that I moved here and then I ended up here, but it was really just kind of following the next right action. And which I know, you know, we talk about a lot, surrender and just kind of following the flow, but that's kind of it. (laughs) Beautiful. And the name of your podcast that you started 10 years ago is called Let It Out. And now that's the name of your brand and you have Let It Out kits, which I want to talk about as well. But what did that mean to you, the phrase Let It Out and why you wanted that to be the name of what you were doing? Well, to be honest with you, (laughs) it really just, again, like most things in my life, like it just sort of happened that way because so I had this blog that was wellness related. So it had a different name. And then I I was like, oh, I feel like that shouldn't be the name of this operation (laughs) anymore. But I wasn't really so sure about changing it. And so I got a book deal kind of unexpectedly with Hay House. And it it was the book I wrote is about journaling. And it I got this book deal when I was 23. (laughs) And it was kind of it, it yeah, it was a really wild experience. And so then I was writing this book and I I knew right away what I wanted the book to be called. I even had it in the book proposal. And it actually had a longer title, but the book is called, and it exists, it's called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. And I cringe at the word journey. <laughs> so I can't, you know, the whole thing is, it's very 2013, like I'm wearing a flower crown on the cover. And like <laughs> it's like a script font that I just like, even at the time, I was like, oh, I feel like I want to change this, but it was too late. You know, it didn't, the, the aesthetic didn't age well, but I'm also so grateful I chose journaling because it's free and it's accessible and it's quite useful and it's something that I still really stand by. But, you know, of course, anything that that you do when you're younger, you, we our opinions change. But anyway, so the book was called Let It Out. And when the book came out, I was like, I think I'm going to change everything to be called that because and my publisher loved that idea. You know, they were kind of like, that seems best for your platform, you know? And so I did. And, and I, and I was just kind of like, all right, well, it kind of works for the podcast, right? Like it's kind of a force. Like I think it works a little bit better for journaling than it does for the show, but I just kind of went with it. And as you know, I have, you know, what I call soft stories, which are these tender moments that I hope that if we record for long enough and we can kind of just forget we're recording for other people to hear and we can just be people with each other and really earnestly have a conversation that is somewhat vulnerable or just we can actually connect. And I think there's so much transference with people that's so important and that can actually happen on podcasts. I think there's like a conversation intimacy that we're all craving, which is why I think people will will eavesdrop on other people having conversation intimacy and feel like they're getting it too. You know, I think especially us being so isolated, just the way that we live less in community than we did, you know, many, many years ago. And so anyway, I think Let It Out kind of works for that, letting out a part of ourselves that's true and real so we can connect with each other. 
And when I was a kid, whenever I was sick, my mom would, I just remember like, God had let it out. Like if you like needed to throw up or something, you know, or you needed to (laughs) blow your nose, like let it like, okay, come on, let it out. And then it was opposite emotionally. It was like, push it down, push it down. Mm. Like, come on, perfect attendance. Let's go. Like I got to get to work. So like hurry up, you know? And, And so I think if I just kind of flipped it of like, what if it is just as important to get the snot out as it is to get how you're feeling about something that's needling at you, you know, and that that's kind of what why I think I turned to journaling. Nobody really told me to. It just it felt so cathartic to be real for the first time and honest for the first time because I never, ever was. I was constantly just like chameleoning and trying to fit in and not be found out. And like, you know, and I think there's a real release that comes to self-honesty, you know? Beautiful. And I've been noticing that as you've just been telling a little bit of your history, that so much has happened kind of by just going with what is around you. You were in Australia, COVID happened, and then you found yourself in Los Angeles and now you live there and you made made a wellness blog and then you got a book deal. And then now you have this podcast you've been doing. Do you feel like you fall more on the side of someone who is structured and intentional and, you know, has a plan in front of them or someone who's a little bit more go with the flow? I don't know another way. Like, I think I'm a little bit of both. Like, I come from the Midwest and I come from a, I'm very good about like, I go to the dentist every time I'm meant to go to the dentist. I get a lot of, you know, oil changes and I am sometimes like obsessively clean about things. I take care of things because I, I know it'll be a bigger deal and more of a hassle if I don't. And so I, as much as I can seem like I'm just go with the flow and fly by the seat of my pants, like I really it measured in a lot of ways because I'm, I don't have a lot. And I think like, you know, hearing a little bit more about your childhood and background, it's like being someone who's autonomous and like, okay, like I'm the only one going with me to then like, no one is checking. Like I have to make sure that these things are taken care of. And so following what, what worked for me. Yeah. I mean, it was just sort of like, okay, what have I got to work with this time around? Like, what are my resources? It's like, all right, well, I'm pretty good at talking to people. I want to leave where I live growing up. I want to try to move somewhere. I guess I need money for that. Okay. I have this job. I'll do marketing. Okay. I think I can do that. It makes sense to stay here for a while. Okay. And then it's like, all right, leave that. I I think I'll do this online business. I think I think the podcast, it's really just with a mix of like measured, making sure I have the resources I need, making sure I'm not jumping like as much as it kind of seems from the outside like yeah, I just followed what works like that's kind of part of the act but if you really were with me every single day it's probably more measured and calculated in a way because it's like I am saying yes to what's in front of me only because I'm like what else am I gonna do you know what I mean like I I don't know if that, does that make sense yeah I definitely think that makes sense to me it's this idea that you have a lot of kind of structure and intention in your day-to-day life. And that actually maybe makes the ability to go with the flow easier. You know, because I think a lot of the things that you do, a lot of people think, oh, how do I do that? Or people who are listening are like, well, how do I get a book deal? Or how do I start a blog? You know, what's the answer behind how you do those things? And I like hearing that you go to the dentist 
all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's really I mean, nice. I go a normal, normal amount, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I haven't been to the dentist in like three years. It's very bad. I need to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just sort of pre- preventative in a way of like, all right, I know I'm going to be kind of all over the place over here. So I'm going to really take care of these things over here. The, the ones that I can, you know, like, you know, I'm kind of like all day long serenity praying it, you know what I mean? Of like, accept the things I cannot control, control the things I can, like the dentist and the oil change, you know, and wisdom to know the difference. Like that's all I'm doing like all day long. And yeah, like to your point, it, it sometimes it feels like it's just survival. You know, there the stakes feel pretty high, you know. I feel like even the older I get, I see that more and more. So, yeah, it's it's both yeah, it's a little bit of both of those things, the structure and abstract. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually think I agree with you where when I was working in venture capital, people would always say, "How did you do it? I want to work in venture capital one day." And I was honestly like I mean, I think it sounds really fortunate to say I didn't plan it, but on the other hand, I just did what I needed to do to make money. (laughs) And this is eventually the path that it led to. And I think there's a line or a saying somewhere that so much of what happens, this is totally paraphrasing it, but so much of what happens to us is from luck, but we need to be prepared to receive it. You know, we need to like have all our ducks in a row and just be there because it really is right place, right time. But when that time arrives to you, are you ready to go? That's exactly that's exactly it. And I'm really trying to because it feels really bad to have that. Are you ready to go and not be ready? And I I think I felt that before. And I guess can I ask you a question about this? Yeah, of course. What's your take on everything happens for a reason? I guess in the, in a, like in a, yeah, related to this in a way, like obviously, or hopefully, obviously, like, I think that question's complex of, you know, children dying or like these really heavy things that like, of course, not everything happens for a reason. Right. But anyway, I just love your thoughts on how you feel about that. (laughs) Definitely. And I think that what I will caveat is that, you know, what exactly what you said, you know, we can't lump in abuse and violence and harassment and racism into that bucket of everything happens for a reason. But I think just the normal day-to-day, I don't know what you would call it, the normal day-to-day ups and downs of living and the normal surprises and regrets and mistakes that come with life. I do agree with that. And I think it might be because I've really seen it play on my own life where I really truly have had more pivots and U-turns and shortcomings than nearly any person I know. I've taken so many chances and leaps that have not worked out. I mean, essentially starting from when I was, I don't know, in sixth grade and I tried out for the chorus. And I remember the the choral teacher being like, you know that you're tone deaf, right? And I had no idea. And so my life has been a succession of those things where I think it's like a lot of moments where I think a lot of people who would, if this happened to them, they would look back on those moments and cringe and be like, wow, that was really embarrassing. But I've just had so many of them, I think, that if I let them all phase me, I just would never get out of bed any, any day at all. And so I do believe that it all happens for a reason. You know, I'm I'm always the one getting broken up with. Um, I'm married now and, and happy, but I've had so many boyfriends in my life. And for whatever reason, I think 95% of the time, I'm always the one holding on to the relationship until the person's like, I don't want to be with you anymore. 
I have had a lot of disappointments in my career. I've had a lot of jobs I've applied for, didn't work out, trying to start different projects. And even with this book, you know, the first time I sent it out to an agent, she was like, your writing is very repetitive. And so I think all of those things led me to where I am today. And I was I was thinking about this phrase the other day where someone said that whenever you ask the universe for something, the answer is either one of three things. And it's either yes, later, or something better is coming your way. And I really think that's true. It just sometimes takes a very long arc to arrive at one of those three answers. Oh my God. Yeah, that that is so comforting. <laughs> those three. Recently, like this week, actually, that was such a comforting thought to believe that everything happens for a reason. A rejection is protection and there's something better coming. And, you know, it felt better whether, whether it's true or not. My best friend is is moving to London and I was meant to buy her car. And this is such a silly thing. But Liz, it is brought up so much in me because I knew she was moving, which is already bringing up so many feelings because it's made me assess all of my relationships and all of my friendships. And I'm just really happy for her, but also really bummed. And it's complex, right? And so that was part of it. And then I've known this for a while and I was going to buy her car from her. And my car is fine. I just, it's not great. And hers is much nicer. And, you know, she's giving me a really good deal. It's not that much money. And, but, you know, I'm in a period of, of, figuring out a lot with with money and my business. And, you know, there's a lot of financial factors. And then I also had really made this car represent who I was. Because of of course, it's like, it's never the car. It's never the thing. It's never the apartment. It's never the person. And so I had made this whole story that, okay, well, Zoe's leaving. I'm starting this new chapter. I'm doing an apartment swap for all of September. So I'm going to be away for a month. And I'm starting this new job, as you know, that or I just started. And so like that feels like a lot of newness. And the car really was like a representation of that. And it was just going to be a an easy transition. Like it'd be easier for her because she'd still have her car for the month. And Logistically, it just would be very simple of a transaction because we're friends. And then it also felt sentimental. Like it also felt cool that, okay, my friend's going to be in London, but I'm going to have her old car. That just felt cool to me in a way of like that. I don't know. I sentimental, I guess. And anyway, I was trying to get my ducks in a line to figure out selling my car and get the receipts and all the logistic, boring stuff you have to do. And super long story short, she was like, I need to know by the beginning of the week. This is a week ago. And I was like, great, totally understand. I was like, I'm trying to sort this out. I don't know if I can swing it. I might need to buy a new computer too. I was really just like, I need a little bit more time. I was overwhelmed with starting this new job. And I had someone in town from New York staying with me. And I just, I was at capacity. And I I was like, I can't tell you right. Just go ahead and post it. If it sells, like just you know, it's not going to, I was like, it's not going to sell in a day. Like, let me just, but just go ahead and post it. Cause I don't want to hold you up. I do not want you to like, you have so much on your plate. I can't tell you right this moment. And I don't want to get stuck with my car. So like, go ahead and post it. And then Liz, I talked to her the next day and I was like, has anyone emailed you about it? I think I really still want to do it. I just, I'm going to talk to one more person and call about my insurance. And then I, and then I'll figure it out. And she was like, yeah, honestly, it just feels really scammy. Like I haven't gotten anybody yet. And I was like, okay, great. So that night I go to bed and the next morning at 8 a.m. she texts me, car sold. And I was Whoa. like, wait, what? 
And I was so disoriented by it. And I couldn't stop crying because I was kind of like, wait, I think I maybe I was not direct or like maybe she I totally I did. I told her to post it, but I kind of thought she'd like call me right before. And I think it just happened very quickly. Like maybe they came to look at it and and then they took it. And I haven't actually gotten to talk to her on the phone since because we've just been missing each other. So I've been so spirally about that the last couple of days. All of that really long story was to say it's a more productive thought for me to believe, okay, I wasn't meant to have that car. Like there's a world in which that car could have, you know, broken down a month from now. And I would have had to, you know, I spend more money that I didn't really have because I just bought a new car or my car wouldn't have sold or who knows, you know? And so I think all of those thinking of the worst case scenario was really what prevented me from just saying yes and Venmoing her the money and reserving the car and like having that thing I was really excited about upgrade. And I tend to do that. I tend to catastrophize. I think tend to think about what could go wrong instead of what could go right. And that's something I got definitely from childhood. And I I think in some ways it like I don't have any cavities, you know what I mean? Because I'm hence the dentist and I take care of my car and I do all that stuff because I'm thinking of worst case scenario, you know, but sometimes it's actually best to be a little bit delusional. And the times when I have, have been when I've had a kismet thing happen to me or, and so this is really hitting me hard because I'm like, I think I made the wrong call, you know, or I don't know. What what do you think? (laughs) That's actually an interesting topic. Let's actually just talk about this. (laughs) I love this topic. And what we can do is like a little bit of, you know, some coaching vibes where it feels a little bit different than a normal conversation where I'll ask you a lot of questions and then we'll arrive at and discover some insights together if that works for you. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Did you want a car before this proposition even came up? Were you thinking about getting a new car? No. Not at all. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, so- I think someday for sure. But like one thing I kept saying to to Zoe in making the choice was I was like, you know what? This this is not the time for me to spend money on a new car. My car is fine. It's not great. I would love to to get a new one one day, but I didn't need one. You know, it wasn't a necessity for sure. I have a, a Prius. It works fine. It has a billion miles on it and it's fine, you know? And then it really snowballed into this, like keeping up with the Joneses thing of like, oh my God, I'm 33 and most of my friends have a partner or a apartment with more than one room or a car that, you know, is one that they chose or like, you know what I mean? It just really snowballed into taking account for all of the areas of my life and this way I wasn't expecting. And then it felt like you had an opportunity to upgrade and you missed it. And you'll, you know what I mean? But yeah, like I, I did not until this came up. And it sounds to me, I'm, I'm just, this is what I'm hearing you say is that right now you're not in any worse position than you were before. And you were perfectly happy with the situation before all this presented itself. And so, you know, truly maybe it really is the best that it didn't happen because it is a lot of money It wasn't something that was a total no-brainer for you. It wasn't guaranteed that it wasn't going to cause you stress. And now you're in a situation where the decision was kind of made for you, where you don't have to stress yourself out about whether or not it was the smart decision to afford it or not. And you're back in the position you were before, which you were actually happually with previously. Does that resonate with you? 
Yeah, totally. And I was really stressed out about the logistics of it. I was stressed out about just, you know, I know it's not hard, but like posting my car and having people come look at it and sell like, I just was like, I don't think I can take that on right now. Yeah, it felt like a lot. And then as soon as she told me it was sold, my first sense was, I was both relieved and bummed at the same time. But like part of it is relief, which I think is the part that I was forgetting. (laughs) I felt both things. I felt a bit of relief, a tinge of regret, a tinge of sad. Like I felt everything I've described here. And then I moved on. I did my day. I focused on other things. But then I started to spiral when I started talking about it. And especially to my mom and especially to Mm. when it made me feel like I did something wrong. And she kept wanting to rehash it and do this like 360 review of it. And that these last couple of days has really messed with me a bit. And so what I need to do is no more talking to her about it. Yes, And I don't even, because that is like, I was doing pretty well the day it happened. Like I was like bummed and like, oh man, you know, but I moved on. And then suddenly like a day later when I spoke with her about it, it just became something completely different. And so I also think too, looking at it from Zoe's perspective, I said that exact thing of like, there's a world in which I could not buy your car. And then the Prius breaks down tomorrow. And I really regret not buying your car or I buy your car. And then the Volkswagen breaks down. And I really wish I'd kept the Prius. You know what I mean? Like there are infinite possibilities here and spectrum of both of those things. But ultimately, we'll never know. And what Zoe said to that, she was like, yeah, I like I would feel awful if something happened to this car. And I was when I'm gone. And I was like, well, I would never tell you like I would, you know, and then I think she cares about me. So she was probably like, you know what, I'd rather just sell it to a stranger. And I don't have to worry about what happens to it. Because it's not my best friend. You know, I think maybe that was even part of it. So just like looking at the optimism part is more productive for me to move forward now. You know? Yeah. And we do absorb the thoughts, feelings, and perspectives of others, which is why we have to be really sensitive to what we allow in. And so I think in this case, you you kind of just like took on your mom's anxiety about this. And so I think recognizing that and like, that's okay. She's just trying to help, but clear it out. Know that it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. Remembering that you were feeling actually fine about it and go back to your journal and write the statement of what you choose to believe about this experience. You know, it's this is like kind of the work of, I don't know if you ever look at Byron Katie's work, but it's yeah. kind of amazing because she's basically just like, is this true? How do I know it's true? <laughs> right? Because it's all about perception. And then the th- it's the four questions she asks. It's like, do I, is this true too? How do I know it's true? Or like, how would my life be improved if I chose to believe something different? What can I do to choose something different? You know, it's like something like that. I can't remember the exact questions of the process, but it's basically like that because one, we can't ever know which was the right path. And so let's just choose the one that serves us. And then that's your party line and you stick to it. And you identified it perfectly that you only started to spiral once you were absorbing other people's reactions to the situation. And so maybe that's another lesson too, is in these you know high stakes, very emotionally charged situations, trust yourself, go with your gut of what, what you were feeling and know that oftentimes when we're absorbing fear and worry after a conversation, it doesn't belong to us. Oh my God, Liz. Okay. First of all, just two quick, funny things. A, Byron Katie, I I know, and those were every time I have any sort of problem and I talk to Zoe about it, she tells me, do a worksheet, do a worksheet. She's like <laughs> Byron Katie's biggest fan. Fun, it's funnily enough, like that's her whole thing. And that's what she does with like, she's so solution oriented, like that Byron Katie's her whole thing. So that's just hilarious that you brought that up and so true. And then I... 
I had this rule. So with my mom, I, my friend Misty ran into me when I was feeling really down after a breakup. And I was like, honestly, I just talked to my mom and I feel worse. And we were in Times Square and she was, she just like kind of grabbed me and she was, she was actually go, she was off to go play Saturday Night Live, but she like had one second to talk to me. And she goes, never call your mom when you're down. Yeah. Never call her go. when you're up either, but <laughs> never call her when you're down. Cause no, she's going to take you down about three to seven notches. So try to call her when you're at a medium. And I did that. I always did that. I really stuck to that rule. But for some reason with this, because she was for some reason, like going along for the ride with me with this, this one choice, I don't usually like consult her with anything, but she was for some reason with this car thing I did. And I, I broke my rule. So that is so spot on. And you articulated that so well. It's like what Misty was trying to say was like, you just gave me the scientific like reason this particular person for me, I pick up her stuff, you know, cause I used to like be in her body, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it makes sense. So, oh my God, that is like, that is such a, a wild insight. It would, that, thank you. I think I'm just trying to like be Zoe stand in. <laughs> right thank now. you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I, I know, honestly, I'm like, I, and, and the thing is, I think that's too, why it was just like, it all felt so there's this whole element to this car situation that I think in any other situation, no one would have. It's the fact that my friend leaving is really, I'm so happy for her, but it's not like she's moving a couple States away. She's never going to come back to the States. She's going to live really far away and several time zones away for forever. And she was my closest person here. And so I think it's like that this thing happened. She's so wonderful and she's so great. And I think I'm processing that. And this is a little bit involved in that, even though it's separate, but it, it felt like it was making that more difficult. It felt like, I, I don't know. It's, it feels related because she's just so wonderful. I, I hope you get to meet her and I hope we all are together in, in London someday or New York or here, but because I think you'd really love her. I know you would. And, and I do. And I'm just so grateful that we, you know, got all of our time here together and, oh my God, now I'm going to cry. See, I think I'm just, I think I'm just emotional about that. And, and I've now mushed that into the car situation. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. It's all mushed together. And so first remembering that the car as a stand-in for Zoe was, was never going to feel emotionally like a connection. You know, it's like kind of a really kind of expensive connection to make with someone and you and her will, <laughs> will keep in touch, you know, basically as an example, my husband and I, his family's from Victoria, British Columbia, and he's lived in New York for 15 years, but he goes home and he visits all the time. He loves this place of the world. It's so beautiful. And you know, we made some expensive decisions to feel like we were still connected to that place. <laughs> and I won't go into more detail, but it's basically this idea that we were doing it to like kind of put an emotional bandaid on like what we were feeling. And at the end of the day, we still wound up feeling sad anyway, that now we're building this whole new life on the East Coast. We bought a house here in Connecticut. You're going to miss Zoe no matter what. And it is going to be this really sad hole that's in your life because she's such a dear friend to you. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you'd be feeling it if you had the car or not. And maybe you'd miss her a little bit less with, with the car, but you'd still miss her because a car could never be in a, a stand-in for your relationship with her. Yeah. I mean, you're so funny when you're like, yeah, it's a pretty expensive friendship bracelet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Same for you with whatever the connection is with 
with British Columbia. I think you should probably have a poster, a really great <laughs> postcard. You know what I mean? And I should not have buy a car as like my sentimental value thing. It should be like a, yeah, like make a friendship bracelet <laughs> because I did play it out the other way too of like, okay, let's say I bought the car and then I'm like, oh, I just feel so disconnected from Zoe. And I'm like, the car makes me more sad. <laughs> Who knows? Like, it's it's impossible to know. But at this point, I cannot thank you enough because now I'm going to just try to do the mental gymnastics to learn whatever I learned from the situation. That's that. But I'm not going to feel like I need to talk to Zoe today or I'm going to just let give her the space she needs. And well, I'll say exactly that because it's true what you just said. And then you know, or else send her this podcast when she's in London. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. And I loved this conversation. And also maybe you should make her a friendship bracelet and I will get a postcard and put it on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll do all of that. I think I'd like a British Columbia postcard and I'm going to make you a friendship bracelet that says Zoe yes. for you to have. And we'll just, and then we'll give her like something of yours. Like we'll make this <laughs> weird triangle of like yeah I think that I think this is really beautiful and it's it's about friendship and it's about choice and it's about you know Eckhart Tolle says this thing that's like who are you to think that you know what you want he says it about manifesting and I've really taken that to heart in a lot of ways of like yeah I don't always have the clarity of what I want. I'm pretty malleable. And I think I was starting to say this earlier, but because Zoe's been such an advisor person for me with work things and business things and dating things and, you know, all sorts of things. So it was really, I needed the unpacking to unwrap the gift of that. (laughs) I loved it. It was so fun. And I think there are a lot of really amazing kind of lessons that everyone does that can be useful for people who are listening to this, like this idea that sometimes we absorb other people's opinions and perspectives and we forget that they're not ours. You know, there's a lot of good tidbits here. So thank you so much for sharing with everyone the car story. And I think we all think that way. Big decisions. What do we do? How do we choose? How do we know if there's regret or not? So I loved this topic. We've never covered this on the podcast before. It's kind of this idea of emotional decision-making and regret. And I'm so glad that you came on. I loved it. I hope it wasn't too boring on my end, but your insights are invaluable. (laughs) No, it was perfect. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much, Liz. I'm going to hit stop recording now, (laughs) but let's keep talking. 